When the road you walk, when the road you walk, when the road leaves you tired and worn, all your strength is gone and your heart feels torn. Remember, remember, God is greater than the storm. if we could go to the Lord in prayer how many would have a need on their heart to say oh God I need you tonight I need you to come by my way Heavenly Father Lord we go we just thank you for your presence that's here we we thank you for your enduring faithfulness Lord day by day week by week year by year Lord you're always faithful Lord you've never stopped being Almighty God and Lord we want to thank you for that oh God we just want to thank you for the songs that have been sung Lord and Lord, many needs would come here tonight, oh God. I have needs, we all have needs, oh God. We want to come and put them in your hands, oh God. The hands that can make a difference, the hands that can make a change, oh God. I pray that you'd come and take this little thought that you've put on my heart, Lord, oh God. I pray that you'd just help me to get out of the way, and that you could speak what you'd want to speak, oh God, that you could bring my nerves every part in line, oh God, that you could bring it out the way you'd want to bring it out, that you could touch a heart and touch a life, oh God. We just surrender to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. That's all the singing we'll do. How many is happy to be in church tonight? Amen. If we could turn in our Bibles to, to Matthew chapter 15. And I want to greet all the regulars that are here, any special visitors that are here. I want to welcome you all to the house of the Lord. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21. There's a little thought that's been going through my mind or a couple different thoughts that have been going through my mind that maybe came together and is trusting God to bring it out. But I, one, maybe the thought, not the title, but the thought would be around the complexes that we have in our mind. Brother Ed, many many, this, this theme has been going through the services about our thought life and that realm that we dwell in in our thoughts. But there's one area that we can dwell in in our thoughts or, or an area that can plug the channel, and that's the complexes we have in our life. And we can overcome those things. It's our inheritance, and it's our right. And, and we'll get to that. But verse 21 of Matthew chapter 15, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coasts, and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. He ignored her. And his disciples, well, he wasn't ignoring her. He was testing her. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel, the second blow against her. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. 
But he answered and said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Another blow. But she had great faith. And she said, truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. God bless you. You can have your seats. Now, there's been thoughts that have been brought out. I was, I was away on the weekend, but I was catching up with some of the, uh, catching up with Sunday morning, and then I caught up with some of Sunday night, and, and maybe this thought would just fit right in the channel just a little bit around the thoughts that we think and the realms that we dwell in. And in our lives and as humans, there are, there are things that will hold us back in life. There are things that will happen to us. There are different moments that will happen. And Brother Branham, and I'm going to just get right into the thought, but I'll be building as I go, so we'll get right into it. There will be things that will happen. Brother Branham would talk in the message about how we can build a complex. And what is a complex? A complex is a little structure or a big structure that the devil didn't build, but you built and I built. And there's things and situations and things that will happen that will trigger that and and the devil will influence you to do that but you built it and i built it in my own mind many times the complexes of our life the complexes in our mind no one else even knows about but they're a little trigger point you talk today about everyone says oh that triggered me and that triggered me well it's something that something can happen and it triggers this and it triggers the wrong reaction or it triggers this and and it could be an inferiority complex it could be something that I feel like I'm on the outside, or it could be something of pride that says that they look down on someone. And it also could be against or for a brother or sister. But we all have them. We all have struggles. We all have trials. But I want to start by saying this. I believe that our mind is a part of our Christian inheritance. When the children of Israel crossed the red, what crossed the Red Sea and left the world, they also had, they had to come out and they had to go into something. And when they went into something, they crossed the Jordan River, death to self, they entered the realm of the Holy Ghost, the realm that we live in today. If we've come out and we've been justified and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost, we enter a land of inheritance that then we have to overcome. When they entered the realm of the Holy Ghost, when they entered the realm of Canaan, and they entered their promised land, they had overcoming to do. It was full of enemies. We have many things within our inheritance. We have many things that are are part of our our healing, maybe our children, our salvation, all these different parts that might be part of our inheritance, but there's another part to our inheritance, and that's this mind. This mind is not meant to be overcome and overrun by the devil. This mind is not meant to live in defeat. This mind is not meant to live in anxiety. And this mind is not to be bound by complexes and all kinds of little things that hold us back. This is the age of the overcomer. This is the age where, where, where Thyatira and Sardis and all the different ages came to a point, and even Ephesus came so far but left their first love. This is the age of total victory. Even those little things, 
I remember a conversation between Moses and Pharaoh, back and forth, a negotiation. They wanted to go out to worship. And Pharaoh said, well, you can go so far, but not with, I can't remember exactly, but what I remember, not with your wives, but the men can go. And he said, well, that's not good enough. We're going with everyone. He said, well, you can go, but not your little ones. Well, that's not good enough. And he says, fine, you can take your little ones, but leave your flocks and herds behind. But Moses said, I'm not leaving one hoof behind. What was that hoof? It wasn't so much even the the little ones. The little ones are already part of the deal, but they were going to worship. And they needed those flocks and herds in order to go and sacrifice and worship their God. We're not only bringing our family and our children. We're going with joy. We're going with praise. And we're going with our worship. And I believe our mind is a part of our Christian inheritance. And I believe it's God's will for us to overcome in our thought life. Brother Branham would say, and I'm getting some of my quotes from the message, Perseverance in 1962 on June 8th and in the greatest battle ever fought. Brother Branham would say, you must first find the will of God before you can do the will of God. And I want to say, off the bat, our mind, it is in the will of God for us to overcome there. That's our inheritance. So if that is the will of God, Brother Branham says, you must know what his will is in the matter, and then don't turn it loose. If we know that it is the will of God for us to have an overcoming life in our thoughts and in everything, then don't turn it loose. And the, as the lady said today, he was talking about a sister that was talking. She was trying to get beyond that sound barrier. Brother Branham would talk about the sound barrier. I think in looking to the unseen and how as a plane would reach its limit, its sound barrier, and as it breaks through, it starts to shake and it starts to rattle. Many times that happens in our minds as we're looking to overcome and we're looking to overcome, it starts to shake and rattle. And then he says, when it would break through, the speed is unlimited. You enter another realm. That then he talks about getting through that sound barrier. Then that plane just picks up speed and goes on unlimited when it pa- passes the sound barrier. Brother Branham says this, well, when you can pray until you've passed the doubt barrier, then you're running free. You can go on and there's nothing can bother you then because you're running free. You're past the unbelief. It's done, been settled. It's all over. When you can get the assurance in your heart that it's going to be that way, you're just as happy as it's already happened. There's so many things that can build up in our minds. We can have a situation happen, and then we have a little thought against a brother or sister. Someone, you know what's so terrible about talking about one another in a negative way is sometimes the situation's long done, but in the mind of the person that you told or it was told to you, it lives on. And every time you see someone, someone said something negative, that might not even be true anymore. It might be long forgiven or, or it might have been misconstrued. It lives on and lives on and we have to fight it away. That's why Jesus would even say, you speak against your brother, it's murder. It kills their reputation in the mind of someone else. Let's never do that. And let's stop doing that where we do that. But Satan does those little things, a little trigger, a little weakness, a little thought. Like Brother Andrew was saying, he flings mud at us all day, and he sees what will stick. But he can't read our thoughts. He can start to look at what's stuck, but he can't read our thoughts to know. But do you know the other part he does? Many times, if not all the time, he'll throw mud at you, doesn't have any idea if it's stuck, and then he'll accuse you for thinking it. Over, and, and you didn't. You moved on. 
but he'll accuse you for it. And you'll start to struggle. Did I think it? Did I go down that path? And he'll bring you under condemnation of something you didn't even do. And he can build a complex. He can build a, a, a Catholic Christian where we're paying penance for things we, and we're, but that's not the way we ought to live. That's not the way we ought to live our lives. We're not leaving one hoof behind. Every complex, everything, that land will be leveled and we'll be planting the fruits of the Spirit and growing the crops that we ought to grow in that land. You know, Jesus had mind battles. He was taken to the desert and tempted and tempted and tempted sorely, but he overcame with the Word of God. The battle that we fight in our minds is one of a thought receiver where thoughts are being shot at us all day, good and bad, and good and bad. And many times we don't even recognize the thoughts that are bad and we just start to live with them and not recognize that that's not from God. But the battle that we always have is to put that filter, that thinking man's filter, and say, does it fit with the word or not? Does that thought that I thought about, that critical thought, sometimes there's discernment, sometimes you might see something wrong, but that critical thought or that, that judgmental or, or that weakness or that temptation or that something, is that with the word? Did I really think? And then kick it out. Ignore it and move on. All the way to the cross, the devil gave Jesus mind battles. In fact, in Gethsemane, I believe it would say that he died more deaths there than he died on the cross. He, had, he was fighting to die to himself, and I'm sure the devil was telling, what they're going to do to you is terrible. Can you really do this? You're not going to make it. You're going to give in. You're going to be on the cross, and you're going you're gonna to sin for the first time. You're gonna, hitting him and hitting him and hitting him. But he had a promise. He could look to what the Word said he would right. do. He could look to what the word said he would be, and we can look to what the word said we would be, an overcomer, and he went to the cross, and he fulfilled every last word that he was supposed to fulfill, and can't we do that today? We can look at our lives and say, I'll never fully overcome. It says that there'll be overcomers, but I won't make it. It says there will be overcomers, and you will make it. In fact, there's nothing you can do to stop it. There's nothing Satan can do to stop it. If you're predestinated and the seed of God, and as you walk with God, he will bring it to pass. He has to. You don't have to. He does. Now, there's many scriptures that lay out that we need to have victory, and we can, and it's promised in our mind. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says that, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Not an anxious mind, not a nervous mind, not a fearful mind, but a sound mind. In Romans 8.15, it says, You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, we haven't received that spirit of bondage of fear. But we've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Many times we feel like we're the only one. But there's no temptation that's not common to man, but God is faithful. And he will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you're able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. And, and, and one of my scriptures that keeps coming back to me, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, casting down imaginations 
and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought. Every thought. To what? The word. If the Bible says it, if the message says it, I believe it. If it doesn't, I, I have no place with it. I have no part with it. And it has no part with me. Brother Branham says in his greatest battle, Satan's army brings diseases and God's army is commissioned to cast them out. Satan's army brings anxiety and God's army is commissioned to cast them out. And Satan's army brings fear and depression, all of these things, and God's army is commissioned to cast them out. There's no part and there's no place. Brother Brandon would say, and we know this, that there, there had to be a mutual meeting place when the battle was set. And that battle place was selected right here in our mind. That's the place that the war rages. It's the place that no one else can look into your head unless they would have a gift and see what you're thinking. But the battle rages and wars from the moment you wake up, sometimes even in the night, all the way through the day. It's a war like no other. It is relentless. But we're overcomers. We're overcomers. Brother Branham would say, if this church right now could be put together and knitted together with such that every person would be in one accord with not one shadow of doubt anywhere, there would not be a feeble person in our midst in another five minutes. There's the goal. There's the goal. There would not be nobody here desiring the Holy Ghost, but what would receive it? My if you could just get that certain thing fixed, now there's where the battle begins, right in your mind, whether you will. Whether you will. Free moral agency. Now remember, it's not Christian science, mind over matter. The mind accepts the life, which is the word of God, and there brings the life. Just your thought doesn't do it, but the word of God brought in the channel of your thought. We don't just think, think positive, think positive, but we receive the word. And it begins to wash us and live out. But Brother Brandon would talk a little bit in the message, Standing in the Gap. And I would say probably much of it is about the complex he built up about how the people wouldn't receive the message. And he began to build a complex. And he began to lose the feeling for the people and say, well, if they, they won't receive the message, they don't have to. He began to leave. He talked about how he let the sick lay. And, and he, unless God told him to do it, he just wasn't, he didn't have the initiative and the drive. He, he lost the feeling for the people. And he said he, that was building a complex. He did. And he wanted to leave and move away to the mountains, take his wife on a trip, and then not go back home and live in the hills and, and have, have his hair grown out and all. And he wanted to live that way. But God showed him, you do that, your wife will leave you. You'll be a bum. It won't go well for you. Brother Branham, at the end of that message, he says this, and he begins to describe how a complex is built. He says, God bless you, each one, and we hope to see you here again real soon. Till then, will you do this one favor for me now, both here and on the tapes also, you brethren? Pray that God will place into my heart that something that I lost out there in that complex. It's so easy to build a complex. And he begins to talk about another brother. I had an interview the other day with brother, my brother Way sitting here, sitting, standing in front, a good man, but built himself around a complex. Another kind of a complex did the same thing, different kinds of complexes. Brother Way, and then he says, you can so easily do it. It's just, listen to this part. He says, it's just you get a little something in your mind, keep thinking that way, and that's it. 
You get a little something that's not right with the word and you lean that way. And, and in the greatest battle ever fought, we know there's the memory, imagination, those channels. A little thing that'll plug the channel and the tree grows crooked. A little thing that's over top of the plant and it goes off because there's a little complex, a little something that's perverting the growth. Brother Branham says, you get a little something in your mind, keep thinking that way. And, 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 then, and then he would say, go back and check it with the scripture and see if it's right or not and then go on from there. And then from there, go on. And go from there on. We must need to look that little thing that, that sends me off this way or that little thing that sends me off that way, that little fear, that little insecurity, that if it's not with the word of God and we're not careful, we'll bend that way and then we'll lean that way and we'll fall that way. But it's not what God wants. And he's promised freedom. Amen. And he's promised that we can overcome. Amen. Brother Branham would say, Did you ever see a good grain of corn planted in the ground and let a stick fall over it? It'll grow crooked. Any vine, anything that grows up will because something has hindered it. We're growing up. We're a wheat plant. We're getting higher and higher. Well, that's the matter with our Pentecostal faith today. We've let too many things hinder it. The faith that we've been taught, the Holy Spirit that's been living in us, we've let too many things looking at somebody else. And the devil is always trying to point you to somebody's failure. We can get so many complexes. Well, someone else messed up there, so I'm going to. No. Why would you do that? Why would you not break the cycle? Why would you ever accept defeat? Because someone else did something. That is not what the word of God would say. And yet, it's a real complex. It's a real fear. It's a real something that can weigh on us. Well, they, everyone that gets to that spot messes up. That everyone that, no. Let's tear down every thought, every imagination, and every complex. The devil is always trying to point you to somebody's failure, but he tries to keep you away from the real testimony that's genuine. What about the overcomer? What about the one that lived righteously? What about the one that got it right? He'll point you to a hypocrite, sometime who went out impersonating something. He didn't do it. You know, someone that would mess up or someone that would do something Just because they didn't take the medicine doesn't mean the medicine's not real. Just because they didn't apply the message has nothing to do with if the message is true or not. It has nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing. He didn't do it because he was impersonating, but it came... But if it came from the true source of the word of God, heavens and earth will pass away, but my word cannot pass away. It's got to stay there. You see it, sis, he says, it must be accepted in the mind and then it's believed with the heart. Then the word of God becomes a reality. Then every senses of soul and body is just scoured out with the Holy Spirit. Then your sense of God, your conscience of God, and everything that's godly flows through you. There's not a doubt anywhere. There's nothing can rise up. There's nothing can come up in the memory and say, well, I remember Miss Jones tried to trust God and Miss so-and-so and Miss Doe tried to trust God for healing one time and she failed. But if that channel has been cleared out and been purged and been filled on the inside with the Holy Ghost, that doesn't even come in memory. 
no matter about Mrs. Jones and what she did, it's you and God together. And nobody else but what you, you two. I love what Brother Moses had said. If we start to say, well, someone, someone did something in the church and I can't go there anymore. Or someone did that. There's, there's no, the relationship between you and God has nothing to do with anyone else. We have to move past the hurts and the different things. They'll happen. We don't want them. They're not right. But there's nothing that can stand between you and God. If we put something else between you and God, will they hold me back? That's an idol. That's not what God laid out for us. It's a plug in the channel. It's a complex, and it has to be torn down. But if that channel has been cleared out, then that don't even come in memory, just kind of going through this. It ain't how long you can make the war linger. It's stop it right now. You throw everything aside and open up the channel and say, God, your word is eternally true, and it's for me. If the whole church fails, if the whole world fails, yet I can't fail because I'm taking your word. There's the battle. That's the thing. Amen. I want to switch a gear here, and I don't want to leave where I've just been. That's all a background for I want to look at that story of that woman from Tyre and Sidon. And I, I, I get interested and fascinated by things in the Bible maybe in a strange way. Sometimes I, I spent a whole bunch of time on Babylon with the young people, or, well, one service, I guess, but it was a long one. Um, and then we took another service, but I, I get fascinated by sometimes something piques my interest, and it'll just, I don't, it, I can't get away from it. And for whatever reason, I don't even remember the root of it, but I started to look at Tyre and Sidon. There's this little theme all the way through the Bible, and I'm going to try to go really quickly through this part, but what I want to do is build a context for that little woman, that unconquered little woman of Tyre and Sidon. If you look back at Genesis chapter 10, we'll go, we, can, we can look on the screen or, or, or turn to it, but in Genesis chapter 10, we hear the first mention, and there's, these two cities will go together, Tyre and Sidon, and you'll see in the Bible, sometimes it's spelled Zidon with the Z, Z-I-D-O-N, or the Zidonians or the Sidonians, and, the, and, and Tyre, and many times these two cities will go together, time and time, from Genesis all the way through. I'm not sure if I, I don't remember it in Revelations, it might be there too, I, I don't remember, I don't think so. But in Genesis chapter 10, you, you see the first time that this little, this section, this little area is mentioned. And, and, and it's in verse 6, and the sons of Ham, so that was the wrong, of the three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, Ham wasn't so good. He was the, the bad seed that slipped through the ark. And so he, the son of Ham was, the, the fourth son of Ham was a man named Canaan. And, and of the sons of Cush, and then he, he goes on, and Cush begat Nimrod and began to be a mighty one. And so one of Cush's sons was, was, was Nimrod, of the son of Ham, but, but Cush's brother Canaan, if we look at verse 15, and Canaan begat Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth. And verse 19, and the border of the Canaanites, so this is the area, eventually Israel moves into this area. The border of some of it, I, I don't know exactly all the borders, but the border of Canaan was from Sidon, as thou come to Greer, and, as, unto, and unto Gaza as thou goest, unto Sodom and Gomorrah, and Adma, Adma and Zeboam, even unto Lasha. These are the sons of Ham. And so the first mention, as far as, far as I know, is this, the, son of, the, son, or the grandson of, of Ham is this man named Sidon. And he goes and builds a city of Sidon, I believe, or at some point that city would have been founded and named after him. In fact, the city of Sidon exists today in 2021 in Lebanon. 
And just down the road along the coastline is this place called Tyre. I should have brought an image for a map, and I didn't. But if you look it up, you can see that Tyre and Sidon still exist today in the country of Lebanon. I don't know if you remember that explosion that happened a couple of, uh, a year maybe or a year and a half ago in that, that city called Beirut. That warehouse exploded and videos captured it. I think about 40 kilometers away or so is the city of Sidon still existing. I think it's about the third largest city in Lebanon. It's still there. But there's these cities. Now, if you looked at a map of Israel, again, I should have probably brought one, but if you looked at Israel on a map, you would find in the top section along this coastline is Tyre and Sidon, not too, too far, I think, from places like Nazareth and Damascus and Capernaum. It's right there, these, these cities of Tyre and Sidon. Why are we doing this, John? Well, follow along. We'll, we'll get there. In biblical times, Tyre and Sidon would have been known in, in, a, in a land called Phoenicia. So the Phoenician woman or the Seraphonician woman. We hear those types of phrases about this, about this woman. In the scripture, she says she was Canaanite. Well, we know because she would have been the daughter of Canaan. In ancient times, Tyre would have flourished as a maritime city. It was along the coast and a busy center for commercial wealth. The area was most valuable export, this thing would say, was its world-famous purple dye. It was a rich city. There was, it was very good at merchandise. It was very good at, I think the sailors were very good. It was, these two cities were also fairly wicked, I think. If we look in, in the Bible, in Isaiah, and in Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, there's a series of prophecies, sometimes it would call the burden of Tyre. And it would prophesy destruction, and prophesy destruction, and prophesy destruction. And the historians would say that the destruction that came upon Tyre and Sidon was eerily like what the Bible said would happen. And so it began to happen. Or eventually there was, some, there was fulfillment. But the land of Tyre and Sidon was supposed to be conquered by the Israelites. It was in the inheritance of Asher. It was meant to be Israeli. It was not meant to be Phoenician. It was meant to be conquered by Asher and under their feet and destroyed and grown and planting Israelitish fruit and not Tyre and Sidonia. But it was unconquered. They never got the job done, ever. In Jesus' time, that woman from Tyre and Sidon was still there. In Judges chapter 10, sorry, in Judges chapter, uh, I'll find it, or you can trust me on that. Let's see if I can find it. There's a part where, oh my goodness, I have so many. Let me read, let me read one part. It would say that, and the children of Israel in Judges chapter 1 verse 31, children of Israel cried unto the Lord saying, we have sinned against thee because we have forsaken our God and served Balaam. And the Lord said unto thee, did I not deliver you from the Egyptians? And he lists all these people. And then he says, the Zidonians and the Amalekites and Manites did oppress you. And I delivered you out of their hand. But, but still they lived on. They were an oppression for the children of Israel. And I'm not seeing the verse at the moment, but it was supposed to be conquered, but never was. We're supposed to conquer everything. Amen. There's supposed to be, as much as the Israelites had sections of land that they just never could get it done on. They never could completely destroy the inhabitants of their promised land. That's not what we're to live today. Right. And it's not what we will live today. But this area of Tyre and Sidon is interesting. Now, now in Judges chapter 3, it says, Now these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel, even as many 
as of Israel had not known all the words of Canaan. So there was left people in the land. I think I might have found maybe part of what I'm looking for. Maybe not quite the one I was looking for. There was left for, you could say, the young people of the day that had not conquered before. The parents had conquered. The grandparents had conquered. But now there was still enemies left for you and I, young people, to conquer. I hope I'm still a young person. I'm getting old. But they were left in the land to prove the children of Israel to teach them war. At least as such as before knew nothing thereof. Namely, five lords of the Philistines and all the Canaanites and the Sidonians and the Hivites that dwelt in Mount Lebanon. Now I want to paint this picture because this woman from Tyre and Sidon would have lived right next to Israel in the New Testament now. But she would have been burdened by all the history of the past. All of the history of her people and the Jews that lived right beside her. And she was an unconquered woman. She was supposed to have been conquered. She should have never existed if the Israelites had done their job. So she was living on the outside of something. And she would have always felt separated. But now Tyre and Sidon, and I'm sorry, I hope this is still okay. Is everyone doing okay still? Okay. Tyre and Sidon had pros and cons against it. We remember in Ezekiel and Jeremiah, there's different, and I could go through them, but I, I won't, I, or I could have looked at them, but these prophecies against it. Do you remember that, 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 that one scripture in, um, in uh, sorry, in, in Ezekiel, let me find it here, I have it right here. Ezekiel 27, it says, Son of man, Ezekiel 28, sorry, verse 12. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, which is Tyre. And say unto him, thus saith the Lord God, thou sealest up the psalm full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. And he begins to describe Satan. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardius, topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper. Dropping down, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in all thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. A scripture we know about Satan and yet it's addressed to the king of Tyre. So that, that Tyre had marks against it. In the scripture, it was paralleled to Satan. In one of the scriptures, there was, there, was, there was a great queen of Israel, perhaps the worst queen that ever lived in Israel, Jezebel. Her dad was the king of Sidon. Ahab married the king's daughter from Sidon, and that was Jezebel. And oh, the hurt and ruin and destruction that went on Israel because of that relationship with a woman of the king of Sidon. Yet, yet, it wasn't all bad. Remember when they were building the temple and David had a friend named Hiram? And, he, and eventually would supply the cedars of Lebanon to build the temple? He was the king of Tyre. He wasn't all bad. It wasn't all bad. There was these pros and these cons. There was things against it. But God seemed to have a a connection still. There was still something he could get out of them. There was still something he could honor. King Solomon, I think he had maybe a number of wives from there, but there was was a part where in 1 Kings 11, 1, but King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughters of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. And it even would say that because they have forsaken me, I think this is God talking in 1 Kings eleven thirty three, and have worshipped Ashtaroth or Astarte, 
the goddess of the Zidonians, and he would talk about how, how Solomon went off. There was a weakness. There was, there was something that was not so good. Do you remember when Elisha, and I'm, I'm, almost, I'm almost getting to a point, but I, I want to show you where this woman came from. Do you remember when Elijah was, 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 um, was dwelling by the brook Cherith? That's by Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and flesh, and, and he drank of the brook, and it came to pass that the brook dried up. Remember, he gets sent to a widow. God says, arise and go to Zarephath, where this widow is. Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon. So he left Israel. He left the border. He went into what should have been Israel. And he goes to this woman that wasn't even maybe Jewish, and a woman that was in this town of Zidon wasn't even in Israel. He left. It says, even Jesus, when he would talk about that scripture, this day is this scripture fulfilled. You remember that one, that, that, that scripture where he would say, and I'm looking and I'm all over the place, I'm sorry. But I'm, he would talk about how, I don't know if I'll find it, there was a point where he would say, this scripture is fulfilled, and then he, gracious words would proceed out of his mouth. And they would say, Jesus would say unto them, you'll surely say, physician, heal yourself. And he would say, but no prophet is accepted in his country. And then he would say, in that scripture of prophecy being fulfilled, he said, but then, remember, Elisha went to a woman, a city of Sarepta, which is of Sidon. And he also went to a man named Naaman, a city of Syria. There was something about this tire in Sidon that kept pulling through the Bible and pulling through the Bible. In the New Testament, from what we could see, Stephen, when Stephen was persecuted, believers went off to different places, including Phoenicia. Paul even would make a stop in Tyre, and I think maybe spend about a week there. There was believers there. Good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. So this woman, I wonder if we could go to Matthew chapter 15 again and look at the scripture, this, this story, Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, verse 18. Then Jesus went thence, and departed, he leaves Israel, and he goes to the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. He goes into northern Israel. He goes into unconquered territory. In the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, and behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast, the daughter of Canaan, the son of Ham. Daughter of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. She had a need. Now imagine for a moment, I've said all of that, and I haven't done a great structured job maybe to say this. What kind of complexes did she have that day? Knowing all of the history of her past and her people, going to the God of another nation that would write her off, that wished they could have conquered her, and say, but I need something from him. What held her back in her mind that day? What would she have been raised with? I imagine a, a world where the Sidonians knew, just like Rahab knew, that's the true God over there. We've heard what you've done in the Red Sea. We've heard what you've done here. We've, but we believe, this woman obviously believed that that was the true God there, or she would have never cried after Jesus. She knew that the God over there was the real God. She knew that this man that's going through, that, that seems to be the Messiah that they've prophesied that I've heard about even, because I'm not far away from them, but I'm an outsider. I could never get to them. I imagine growing up that perhaps the average Israelitish boy and girl, just like maybe we might teach our children to be careful with the people of the world, I imagine the average Israeli 
boy and girl was talking, if, if, if someone of the Amalekites, if someone of the Philistines, if you get close to the border of something and you see a Zidonian, just ignore them. Don't even, don't even give them the time of day. I imagine that all of these things would be built up in her mind knowing that she should have been conquered. She should have been gone. We can think of that in our own lives where we can see where we failed, where we've been on the outside, where everyone else seems to be in the promised land. Everyone else seems to be where they ought to be and where we want to be, but it feels like we're outside. It feels like we can't get there. It feels like we're the outsider, that we should have been the conquered one a long time ago, but somehow we're still hanging on. That's what this woman would have felt like. She was an outsider. Behold the woman, and she said, oh, Lord, but she had a need. She had a desire. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her, not a word. I imagine that was the first complex hit. He's ignoring me like they've always have. They always have ignored me. They've been taught to ignore us. They've been taught to leave us on our side. They've been taught if they ever could pick up the battle and that they would eventually wipe us out anyway. And he ignores her. But God cared. He wasn't just ignoring her. He was testing her faith. Because remember, Sidon, Elijah, the prophet, I think it was Elijah, went to a woman that had faith in Zarephath. There was a promise. There was something that she could even look back and say, as much as I'm the daughter of Jezebel, I'm also a daughter of that widow that had faith in God and the prophet of Israel had come to stay with her. But he answered her, not a word. Then his disciples came, and obviously she'd been crying for a while after them. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away, for she crieth after us. Now it's maybe the second blow. The, the disciples, this whole band of men that's been completely silent to her, as they're walking by, and she's crying after them. And she knows she looks crazy, but she's crying after them with a need. And eventually they're saying, tell her to go away. Tell her to leave. Tell her to, uh, uh, there was just a a push away. Maybe there was even a push away because maybe the woman shouldn't have addressed those men, all these different things of the time, and the complex would have hit. But she didn't give up. We can have so many complexes, things that hold us back, different things in our lives that get built up. And they might not go away at the first blow. They might not go away at the second prayer. They might not go away at the third day at the altar. Don't give up. If we really had faith, and I believe we do, and we're building faith, we don't give up. Faith does not stop at the first setback. And faith doesn't stop at the second setback. Faith keeps pressing on. Faith is persevering. Faith keeps going on. And he answered her not a word. And they besought him, saying, send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered her, He answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Another blow. She knows she's not an Israelite. She knows she has no inheritance there. She knows she has no, she didn't give up. Faith kept, keep pressing on. Then she came and she worshiped him and she said, Lord, help me. And she now had addressed him. We know Brother Brandon would say that she couldn't have got to him with son of David. That wasn't the relationship with her as a Gentile. But she came and said, Lord, help me. And I think of Gentiles all over. Many times where you could look at that as a type of tire inside, and we are, with good and bad against us, the things of the devil against us, but also faith with us. And God would give us some favor. And 
And God wants a bride with us. We're the bride. And she worshiped him and said, Lord, help me. And he said, another blow. He said, he answered and said, it is not meat. And this must have been the strongest one. It became even a, a difference in their race, a difference in what they were. She said, it is not meat. He said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And truthfully, she knew she was in their eyes. Jezebel had destroyed Israel. That was her mom, quote unquote, in the lineage. She knew that that, that prophecy, perhaps, of the king of Tyre is perfect in wisdom and beauty. The king of Tyre, Satan, right tied to her lineage in prophecy. She knew all of these different things. But what she said next, I imagine Jesus must have, maybe this was another moment where he must have had tears in his eyes. Where he said, where he had to say what he had to say and he had to test her faith to see how strong is her faith. And it was strong. She said, truth, Lord. That's right. I know the history. I know what I am. You know what I am. Yet if I'm in your house, if I can just get into your house, even even the dogs eat good in your house. The children are fed, but even I can be fed. She said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. There's a woman of faith. This is the model that we fight, that that we want to use when we're fighting our battles, when we fight our complexes, when we fight our struggles, our weaknesses, our trials, is persistent, come at it, faith. Brother Branham would talk about that, 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 that little thing. He said, I read, over, I read a little something over that stadium. It was a football stadium in the message Perseverance. It always encouraged me. It was a little sign there that said, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight in the dog. So I think that's a whole lot of it, he says. It gets a lot of real Christian come at it persistency. What it takes is a lot of Christian come at it persistency. God promised it and it's mine. It doesn't matter if we feel like we're on the outside of a church. It doesn't matter if we feel like we're on the outside of a family or a situation or, or something and we're, we're never going to get to that spot where God can help us. This woman fought through all the odds. This woman fought through everything that should have been against her, all of her past and all of her history. What promise could she really look to? I mean, she could look to different history things, but she couldn't, she couldn't come to him as the god of the Zidonians, which would have been Baal and, and Ashtaroth. She was going to another nation's god, and yet she kept pressing on. She kept fighting. Brother Branham would say in this message, but you know, faith finds a source that others don't see. Faith finds its source. People don't see that. So it must have been this little woman that faith had found a source. The word of God, the Bible said in Hebrews 4.12, it's a sword. It's a sword cutting the marrow to the bone, to the sunder, to the spirit. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's what the word is. That's the reason that Jesus could discern the people what they were thinking. Dropping down, as I said the other night, faith in God's word will cut a hole through any difficulty. Faith in God's word will cut a hole through any difficult, no matter the complex, no matter the obstacle, no matter the thing that blocks up the channel. If we can take faith and a persistent, come at it faith, 
Why would we ever back down to the devil? If we're promised to be the overcomers, if we're promised in this age that we're going to stand and that we will stand not by our strength and not by our own mind many times, but by the promise of God, let's live it. Let's have that persistent come at it faith to say no matter the circumstance, no matter what I'm against, no matter what I'm an outsider to, no matter what my history is, no matter what anything is, I'm an overcomer. She had many hindrances, this woman. She did herself, but her faith didn't have any hindrances. Faith don't have any hindrances. Faith just believes it. It don't take a hindrance at all. You're already past the sound barrier. As the, la- as the lady was talking of, faith don't have a hindrance. You might have it, but your faith doesn't have it. Your faith has no hindrances. They might have said to her, you're a Greek. You shouldn't go over there. That's a Jew. That's a Jew that they're claiming all these things about. You're a Greek. But you see, they was trying to, they was trying to have a race barrier there. But faith don't know a race barrier, doesn't know it at all. There's no race barrier in the kingdom of God. None whatsoever. But she, she didn't know it at all. No, she, and she might have thought this. If he knew who I, if he is who I believe he is, he's God. And if he's God, he's the creator of every creature. If he's God at all, he's the God of the whole creation. And if he isn't the God of the whole creation, then he isn't God. That means to, from the youngest person to the oldest person, from the most, you could say the most sinful to the most saved. He's the God of the whole creation. And if you can go reach out to him and claim him and say, no matter how you feel, no matter how defeated you are, if you can cut through that with your faith, you can get your need met. You can be saved. You can be filled. You can be delivered. There's nothing that can stop you. No matter if she was a Greek, she was still persistent. She had perseverance. And somebody might might have come up with this old proverb, you know, they still have it today. The days of miracles are past. There's no such a thing. But no matter how many hollered at her, the days of miracles is past. She was still persistent. He says this about the days of miracles being past. He says, that might have been for them who believed it. The days of miracles are past for those that believe that. It's their faith that brings that but not for her. Something had already happened inside to let her know that wasn't past. She didn't say, you come down to my house and lay your hands on my child. Brother Brandon would say, she didn't, if you'll come down and speak in another language out yonder and tell me all about it, I'll believe it. She just said, I only want the crumbs. Just, if, just the off falls is all I'm looking for. See, she had the right approach. She had the right approach to God's gift. And Brother Branham says this, and even the Schofield Bible will tell you this too. She was the first Gentile that Jesus ever done a miracle on. The first Gentile. She broke through a barrier. She broke through that thing that had never been broken before. She broke through and she got her need met. if we could put up this scripture and I'm coming to a close in Micah chapter 7 verse 7 to 10 this scripture's helped me out so many times I've looked at I don't I think I stumbled across it once and it helped me out in a dark moment you know you can have your ups and your downs your highs and your lows and you fail and fail and fail 
It says, therefore I will look unto God. I will wait for the God of my salvation, for my God will hear me. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, when I fall. I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light and I shall behold his righteousness. Then she that is mine enemy shall see it and shame shall cover her which said unto me, where is thy God? Mine eyes shall behold her. Now shall she be trodden down as the mires of the streets. Rejoice not against us, O our enemy, when we fall. We're getting up again. We'll break through the barrier. We'll break through that sound barrier. There's nothing that will hold us back. The overcomers of this day, we're the bride. There's nothing that can stop us. That Sidonian woman may have been unconquered by the Israelites, the tribe of Asher. She was also unconquered by Jesus. Remember when Jacob wrestled God and won? That woman, with persistent faith as Jesus put this in front of her and, and tested her and put another and tested her, she was unconquered. She never doubted. She believed God, and she was not letting go of that, that faith that she had, that little unconquered woman of Tyre inside. Let us be that way. No matter, musicians can come, no matter the ups, no matter the downs, no matter the trials, no matter what comes, How big is that fight in you and me? How big is that persistence, that come at it persistency? Jacob had a great need. He needed to be changed. He needed something to change in his life. He he was coming up, maybe even didn't know what he needed, but he was coming up to his brother and he knew that he was no match. But he began to wrestle with God and say, God, I won't let you go. That angel, I won't let you go until you bless me. And he began to wrestle all night. And he got it. That's the thing we have to remember. As much as there's trials, as much as there's downs, there's victory. There's overcoming. It's promised for us. There's nothing that can stop you and me from the promises of God in our lives today. What's your need? What's your cry? Let's all stand. Set your wings to the winds of faith. There are two roads that you may take one by sight and one by faith. Take the word of God What you see, what you believe, is what will be. Set your wings to the winds of faith. You can fly in a higher place. of